The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, Pels fans, we've got a new sponsor you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code XYZ to make your deposit risk-free. Visit HTTPS colon backspace backspace symbol.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. All right, let's talk about the Spotify Green Room app. It's live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, Chris Connor, other fans, athletes. You can talk to insiders in real time as news breaks. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every day. After opening night, go to Spotify Green Room. Start a conversation with other fans and share your own experiences. Share your own takes on the app. This is your chance to be featured. All right, download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join your favorite group. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first in-season edition of the Bird Calls. I am David Grubb, and joining me are our man Chris Connor, contributor to thebirdrights.com, and Ali Cosell, our editor-in-chief. Gentlemen, we are four games into the season. The Pelicans are one and three. There's plenty to talk about, but first, Chris, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I am delightful, man. I, I, I'll be honest. I have not been on a podcast this late. Like this is this is the bird calls after dark. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> All right. Uh we now welcome into the room as well. He catches this perfect timing. Our man David Fisher. Fish, we uh how are you doing this evening? We're glad to have you as we do our first in season episode. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that we're um recording after a win instead of a loss, and um looking forward to get into it. And finally, Ali, yes, it, we, we were on the verge of having to come back 0-4. Um, that, that last win was very important to uh, the, the pacing of this podcast. <laughs> How glad are you that we were not looking at a winless? I'm, I'm really glad because I'm the one that went out on a limb after that first loss in Minnesota, in the first game that was a loss, and saying they're going to come back and get a win on Monday. So nobody had more pressure than me. <laughs> Now I do think we all, when we when we convened last uh, last time before the season started, uh, I think we all said one and three. I, I know I said one and three. Ollie, did you say one and three or two and two? I said one and three. Fish said two and two. Fish yeah. said two and two. 
Yeah, you're, and Kevin you're always was always optimistic. And remember, Kevin was teetering on zero and four. Yes, Kevin was teetering on zero and four. But to I be think- fair, though, my two and two was something weird. First week upset kind of stuff was going to happen. And then they'd split Minnesota. So they just didn't get the weird stuff. It's funny. We all like we all thought, though, the wind was coming in Minnesota. That one was going to come in that split. And I think. Yeah, but I didn't know until that second half, honestly, on Saturday's game. I saw a team that gave me the confidence that they would win. Right. Well, yeah. Until the fourth quarter, because when Anthony Edwards goes off. And you don't see any like there. It just didn't seem like there was anything that could stop him for that. Period. You know, twenty-one points in the third quarter. And oh, I'm talking about Saturday's game, though, David. The the, the loss before yesterday's. Oh, game. Saturday's loss. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Saturday. That was that was that was a resilience check. Even if they didn't win, Saturday was definitely mm-hmm. a resilience check. So let's let's talk about how we got to one and three. Um, the first two games, and I think the the, the Minnesota's mini series have to be kind of separated. Let's start with opening night with Philadelphia. And yeah, you're not playing with Zion Williamson, but I think the the thing that we saw that was most beneficial from the team on opening night was that you saw Nikhil Alexander Walker looked great on, on opening night and Brandon Ingram looked really good on opening night. The rest of opening night was pretty much a wash guys, your thoughts on just on what you expected the first game and what they delivered to you. Start with fish. Well, I mean, I was pretty impressed with the team up until late third, early fourth quarter. And then mm-hmm. Ferkin Korkmaz had an out-of-body experience and made, I want to say, four threes in the span of five possessions. And they wrapped it up with a Georges Niang on the move with a hand in his face after a cross-court pass three. And it was just like, well, that's basketball. There we go. That game's over. Um, but <laughs> up until then, like like I think I had said something in, in in our chat, they played they played 36 minutes of good basketball, and then they played six minutes of bad basketball. And we we know that Pelicans team. That was that was the Pelicans team last year. They did that all the time, even when Zion was in the lineup. They could they could they could deliver, you know, 36 minutes of effort, and then at some point it's gonna crash and burn. Um, I think what we saw in the Philadelphia game and then again in the Bulls game is that the starting unit can kind of hold it together. And then when the reserves come in, the wheels come off and where's the offense going to come through from. And I think later on, as we discuss what happened in the following games, um, that isn't just something that the the Pelicans in terms of the players needed to figure out, but it's something that Willie Green needed to figure out as well. Yeah, Ali, um, I think the bench is probably the thing that from opening night to through all four games has remained a, the most, as far as personnel goes, the most consistent concern. Um, the lack of production out of the bench, by and large, particularly returning guys like um, little used Billy Hernan Gomez now, um, less effective Jackson Hayes right now. Just how how disappointed are you in, in the production that they've gotten out of the bench? And what do you think would be an immediate uh, way to start improving that? It, first of all, it's a huge concern. When you look at just the Pelican stats through four games, you see, you know, good scoring averages from B.I., 
Devontae Graham, Jonas Valanciunas, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Then in fifth place, you drop all the way down to Trey Murphy at 5.8 points a game. That tells you everything you need to know. In the first four games, not a single Pelicans reserve has hit double digits in scoring. I don't know if I've ever seen it this bad. I know, what was it, last year, right? They really struggled off the bench. J.J. Redick had that cold, cold spell really to start the season. But at least in that first game against Toronto last year, J.J. Redick was great. This year, we haven't seen a single, you know, pulse of life. And it, it is a huge concern because in, in this day and age, you, you've got to make, you got to keep up with your opponent because they're going to find a way to put that ball through the hoop, regardless of really who's on the court, right? Just that the proficiency or proficiency, what kind of level that's going to be at. And the Pelicans, boy, they're struggling because Willie Green's been riding Kyra Lewis, for example, and he's really been, you know, just, just literally in the Minnesota series, at least taken out of the game to where he's not giving you anything reliable. So for him, Willie Green to go with Kyra instead of say Sato raises all sorts of flags to me. So very disjointed. They are, are just searching right now. They probably can't wait to get Josh Hart back and really getting the keel move back to the, the uh, reserves group once Zion returns. Chris, when we moved to game two against the Bulls, um, what became apparent, and, and I know the biggest thing that people focus on is Lonzo himself, Lonzo Ball and, 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 and what he's doing in Chicago. And that's fine. Let's, we can move on. Lonzo is in Chicago. But what it did submit was looking at the return that the Bulls got, I mean, that the Pelicans got from the Bulls and had seeing Garrett Temple and what Thomas Sadoransky have done through the first four games and through three games, their totals did not equal what Lonzo did in that loss. Um, and yet Temple remains a, a big part of this rotation so far. Can the Pelicans afford to keep Garrett Temple in the lineup for 15 minutes a night? Well, unfortunately, Grub, I mean, it kind of goes back to what, you know, Ali was saying. They don't, they don't have a choice, right? You know, um, I mean, you know, look at, uh, look at last, last night, for example. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas had to play 39 minutes. Devontae Graham played 39 minutes. B.I. played 36. You know, I mean, the only person off the bench that played 20 was, you know, was Trey Murphy. And then you get Temple 16 and you get 11, 9, and 8. Like, you know, I, I think that, Right now, your only option until Josh Hart gets back, and then of course Zion would be to play maybe Sadoransky. But you know, to me, um, you know, I kind of I kind of differ with with uh, Ali a little bit from the perspective if we're talking just uh, Kyra and Sadoransky that I see zero aggressiveness from you know from Sado in regards to getting his own shot. And that's, that's what bothers me a little bit. It's like, I know he can handle the basketball. I know he's confident. I know he can get other guys involved. I know he can run the offense. But if he's not looking for his shot at all, or even, even attempting to penetrate to bring defenders to open up shot for, shots for others, I mean, it, it limits his, his, overall effect, uh, his overall effectiveness. At least with Kyra, I saw him create a three-pointer for Garrett Temple off the dribble. I saw him drive uh, last night. He, he missed a layup. He missed a floater. The looks are there. His weaknesses are just fully on display, and Patrick Beverly had him terrified. No doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's a rough situation. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Willie's going to trust. He's going to trust his veterans. And right now, Garrett seems to be the one that he, you know, that he trusts a little bit more. 
than uh than uh Sadoransky. And I mean look, Garrett Garrett had a decent game. He knocked down a three. His next three was also online, rimmed in and out. You know, he made a you know, he made a big layup for them. He had an ugly I don't want to see Garrett Temple try any more reverse layups. As long as he's in New Orleans, do not try him. That was hideous. We don't need to say it anymore. But outside of that, I mean, you know, he was trying to, he was trying his best to defend when he was in the game. He was giving intensity and energy. He was backing up the leadership that they need on the floor. So, I mean, I don't know what the rotation turns into when, when Josh Hart returns and how they split it up. Maybe Tyler's the one, the odd man out. But, yeah, I don't think they have a choice but to keep playing Temple right now. I disagree strongly. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it, it, it's not just – I mean, he, he mentioned the reverse layup, and I think time and score on that horrendous reverse layup attempt at the end of the game was important too. Like that wasn't a kind of attempt that if you saw a young guy do it, he would like the coach would call a timeout and he would immediately get pulled regardless. No, like, it was just ugly looking, Fitz. It was ugly looking. I'm not saying in regards oh, to Oh, no, but see, I, no, I'm talking about all of it. He's talking so, about the situation. <laughs> the the, the Pelicans are up, I want to say, eight or ten at the time. They've they've broken the press. Um, you know, B.I. comes up. He kicks it to Garrett Temple in, in the corner, on the right corner, and he decides to throw up this wild prayer of a reverse layup with 48 seconds to go and we've seen this team blow leads in that amount of time and then two trips down later he throws away the ball at half court which causes a turnover and an easy layup for minnesota and at that point the margin and the time maybe got to the point where like it wasn't going to happen but those were just two episodes and that was in the second game in the first game at the end of the third quarter yeah that's what i was going to point out <laughs> go ahead at the, in the third game at the end of the first quarter he had a similar situation with you know just horrendous decision making well, he was entrusted, but remember, he was forced to bring the ball up because Kyra, of course, couldn't against Pat Bev. And, yeah, and that's clearly but, not Garrett's game at this point in his career. You're right. No, no, no. But uh, my, my concern with Garrett Temple isn't that he had to bring the ball up. My concern with Garrett Temple at the end of the third quarter in the first game is he catches the ball on the left wing. He has an open three-pointer. There's mm-hmm. three seconds to go in the shot clock. He passes it up. Shot clock turnover violation. The second trip down, he... He was he was going towards the middle of the, uh, of the court near the elbow near the nail, and he throws away another horrendous pass that leads directly to a Minnesota turnover, uh, a Minnesota a turnover, and then a Minnesota layup. And what I'm saying is, is if you saw any of the young guys make any one of those mistakes, let alone all four of them in relatively high leverage situations, they would get pulled. And Garrett Temple keeps on getting trotted out there. And I want to – Garrett Temple does not look like a 12-year vet out there on the don't floor. Don't play him. Like, no, but who are you playing instead? Because I agree with Chris. You can't here's, play here's, him. Here's what, okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Everybody can't talk over each other. Everybody can't talk over each other. Hold on. Hold on. You asked the question. Do you, what do you do then? What do you do then? This is why you have this time of the season. Because you are going to lose more often than you win. Garrett Temple is not going to be at any point the solution for one of your problems. So pl- give those minutes to Najee Marshall. Give those minutes to Trey Murphy. Give those minutes to um, Herb Jones. Give those minutes to those people because ultimately that's going to be the benefit when Zion returns. 
Garrett Temple is not going to get as many minutes and shouldn't when Zion returns because your shooters will be doing better. You're off, you're off the ball players will be getting in better position. You won't need Garrett Temple, but I need those rookies to grow up now when the expectation is we're going to lose more often than we're going to win. And that's just the case for right now. So put them out there when the pressure is lesser so that when it is time to start winning, they've made their mistakes. And that's what I'd be doing now because you're not going to win four out of the next five games. So play to develop this roster. That's what we've been asking for. That's why we said, why couldn't Kyrie get on the court last year? Or why couldn't this? Well, now you have the opportunity because we're not walking into this right now fooled, thinking that if they don't come out of the gate fast, they're not going to make the playoffs. We know they're not coming out of the gate fast. We know that. So why not prepare for what's going to happen when, if, when you do get Zion Williamson back? My frustration still just goes back to the fact that I'm seeing Garrett Temple make rookie mistakes. And if the issue is if we put the rookies in, they're going to make rookie mistakes. At least they might, at least they might learn from them. Clearly (laughs) Garrett Temple's been in the league for 12, 12 years. If he's doing any of those things, let alone all of them in the span of the minimum, the very small amount of minutes he's getting like, no, just, just no. I'd rather have let Chris go. Chris go. I'm not, I'm not like all of a sudden this this Garrett Temple apologist now. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, listen, I was one of the few people, I mean, I talked about the man wearing a three-piece suit to a basketball game, or uh, game two, <laughs> I don't remember game one and game two, which was, I, which was utterly atrocious. Okay, so I'm not all of a sudden apologizing for the man, but what I am saying is that what are your alter- alternatives unless you are going to run your starters into the ground? No! If, Sure, I'm not saying Kyra shouldn't shouldn't play. I believe that he should play, and I'm 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 one that's saying I've seen some positive things out of him, out of him. But I've seen nothing. For, I can't give you one positive Sadoransky minute. Not I'm not one. talking about Sadoransky. We're talking about Tim. now Najee. Uh, are you, not, you want to talk about Najee? I mean, that first game, his first half, four minutes, three turnovers. He was a train wreck. I'm actually not, glad not, Willie Green didn't go to him. No, Najee's had, Najee's had up and down moments. I'm not saying that. No, but, but we're talking I mean, about game three, right? Him, with Garrett Temple getting 15 minutes. No, my I, my thing he, is this, is that if we're going to get rookie mistakes out of the yeah. veteran. But Temple still made pauses in that game. He had a couple blocks. He had some good key rebounds. So I saw what? He still, still ended up, I mean, if you, if you were going to get to one and three, I'd rather get to one and three with the young guys playing, then one and three with Garrett Temple getting 15 minutes a night. That's what exactly. I'm saying. I know what you guys are saying, but I like the balance that Willie Green has shown so far. Honestly, I have no problems with the way he's handled the rotations. In preseason, it was an issue because Well, he can't have those guys playing. He can't have his starters playing 39. He can't do that. That's not that you, if they no, go in and if they go into and play Atlanta and try to give 39 minutes to the starters against Atlanta on Wednesday. You can't do it all season. No, of course not. But you know, I, well, like I, I said, I, I, I like the way he. I don't know. To me, I've had no problem with his rotations thus far. Uh, like I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge him in terms of because I mean the big the big minutes issue was the fact that you know Jonas got a, a ton of minutes, and I think that's a that's a thing where the the you other centers, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, exactly. and Nikola exactly. Vucevic, and mm-hmm. Joel Embiid. Like, I'm sorry, you don't trust Jackson Hayes in those matchups. You now, don't go to Hernan Gomez either. I, 
Yeah. So, but, but going forward, like if you look forward into the next schedule with Atlanta and the Knicks and, you know, some of the teams that are coming up, it's like, yeah, their centers and their backup centers are guys that, yeah, you can put, you can put Jackson Hayes out there. Like you put Jackson Hayes out there against Clint Capella. And I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is he's going to get alley-oops thrown over his head. That's, that's going to happen to Jonas too, at some point. Um, but it's not like they're going to throw the ball into Clint Capella and tell him to go to work on the block. That's not going to happen. So, I mean, I, I think the minutes will balance out a bit. I just like Garrett Temple's getting minutes that if he's going to make developmental player mistakes, just give it to the developmental player. Cause like Najee's going to make silly mistakes too. Like we've seen, like he tries to do too much and stuff like that, but he's also going to defend his ass off. Yeah. But here's my thing. You got Trey out there. You got Kyrie, you got Jackson, you got Najee. Kyra is my least is, is the least priority of that group right now to yep. win immediately. Kyra is the I'm, lowest but, on but that. You guys catch what process. I said, the first four names. You, you want somebody that's at least going to have a semi, you know, veteran approach here, you know, maybe. But he doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, just because he is a vet doesn't mean he's Garrett Temple. But this is the, but, but, but what we're talking about right now is a whole indictment on the, on the entire yes. bench. I yeah. mean, if Jackson, if Jackson Hayes oh, offered you, I mean, you're already talking about Jackson Hayes not offering you anything to where, to where, to where Willie can't play. He played him eight minutes, okay? Yeah. Kyra was, Kyra was scared out of his mind. Najee Marshall has, has, he looked as if he'd forgotten how to attempt the layup. The aggressiveness that we saw from him, I ain't talking about in summer league even last year when it, when it comes to creating for himself and getting to the basket, we're not seeing it. So what's left of what you currently have? I'm not saying Garrett got to play 15 minutes once the, once the guys are healthy, but I'm saying right now, right now, when Willie is trying to win a basketball game, do you have, are you sure you have better alternatives but to play this 34-year-old man 15 minutes? I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, let's go on because we've given way too much to Temple. <laughs> okay, yes, but we do need to talk about Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Um, because again, we were told again, this is the thing we're told Jackson has expanded his game. His face up is here. He can shoot the three, all of these things. But the main thing, and I got pilloried for this last year was I said, I don't care how well Jackson Hayes learns to shoot if he can't defend. And what are we seeing from Jackson Hayes as far as his development on the defensive end? What are we seeing from him on the, as a rebounder? What are we seeing from him as it seems to me that Jackson is still caught up in doing Trying to do too much, but ultimately doing too little. And I'm going to let Ali go first on this one. Yeah, with Jackson, the the highlights are few. And really, a lot of them came in the garbage minutes against Chicago when the game was out of reach in the fourth. Um, Other than that, I can't recall of any good instances of rotations um, making an impact with, you know, his size advantage by just simply being in the right spot on the floor, whether it's his man he's guarding or not. And offensively, you nailed it. I mean, I haven't seen anything leading me to believe that this guy has that expended repertoire ready to show us. Last last game, for instance, against Minnesota uh, on Monday yesterday, caught a, what was it, I think, baseline shot. And all he had to do was pump fake, take one dribble and dunk it, but he ended up shooting it, missed it. And, you know, that's kind of been emblematic. Jackson's just been settling for me, both ends of the court. And that just can't happen when you're supposed to be that high-energy big and it's even crazier to think because the rest of the team honestly has been flying around the court. So you would think maybe Jackson would at least feed off of that and, and just really hasn't translated. Uh, Fish, your thoughts on Jax? I mean, he's had, he's still had some good bursts. I think it was the, 
this first game in Minnesota, he checked in um, towards the end of the first quarter. He gave you some really good de- minutes defensively. He yeah. didn't play a lot in the Monday game, but I mean, I mean, in the minutes he did play, he didn't miss a shot. I mean, he comes in, he only plays eight minutes. He gives you four points and four boards. Um, and a plus 10, I mean, was nothing he was doing really pops off the page. But at the same time, like, the thing is, is that the, the bench units, especially the bench units that he's getting to play with, are so disjointed now mm-hmm. that it, it just he's, – he's having a hard time fitting in offensively. And I, I think maybe going to your point a little bit, it's frustrating because you'd like to see Jackson – go defense to offense and not be the guy who needs to, you know, be in the play offensively to really get the defensive juice going. Um, I haven't seen terrible rotations from him. Um, I did see, you know, standard Jackson Hayes, less than ideal boxing out positioning, just turning around, watching the shot go up. I mean, I've seen that, but I mean, I, I haven't he seen got manhandled by Drummond, right. Then he was ineffective against, you know, Vucevic and Kat. I was I saw him getting pushed by Jared Vanderbilt and, and others, right? Smaller than him. So I know that he's gained some weight and I know he's never gonna be a guy sturdy enough, but he's gotta give you something, right? Even guys that are lean can get themselves in a position on to make a lot of plays, and he hasn't done it for me. I know what you're saying, though, Fish. He hasn't been yeah. bad, I guess the Patreon. He, he, he to me, but, he's just been limited and I, I think that especially, especially these three opponents are very bad matchups for him. Yeah. Um, it, it really plays to his weaknesses. And I think we'll get a fuller picture of, you know, you know, this version of Jackson Hayes in the coming weeks, because if you look at the schedule coming up, you, you don't have those big bruising centers that are going to essentially play him off the floor and, and get Willie to that point where he just can't just trust Jackson and he wants to play mm-hmm. Jonas, you know, 40 minutes a night. Chris, what do you? I, I mean, I you know, Jackson is supposed to make that leap. This is yeah. year three, and, and it is, it is long. It takes longer for bigs in this league to develop a lot. It does. But the thing with Jackson that gets me, and I just want, I want to get your response to this is, he hasn't gotten the one thing yet. You know what I mean? Like the, you got to have one thing that'll keep you on the floor. And it doesn't feel like Jax has even gotten just the one thing yet. You know, I think he's he's survived and lived on on those energy plays, those alley oops, you know, blocks off the glass. Some you know in transition and the free. Yeah, but the league knows that. Think for that first game, how they broke up two passes, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like people, people are playing. Are playing him to that. Now he had a couple. He had a couple dives in uh, in yesterday's game in which you know he wasn't looked for, and, he, and you know, and you can say that he was open. But I, I mean, I you know, I think right now for Jackson, man, the body isn't there. The fundamentals aren't there. I mean, you know, he's a, he's an athlete right now playing the position. And I mean, I you know, what I'm starting to wonder or you know think about is, you know, last year when he really started to play a little bit better, he was doing it at the power four position, and it may be in. It may be a situation where you might need to see some minutes from Billy and maybe or, you know, play play some Jackson at the four to kind of take away the, you know, the responsibility um, that I mean, his, his weaknesses are on or, or on display in some of these situations. Now, look, uh, 
Fitch ended up mentioning that, you know, when you look at the, you know, the schedule upcoming, you know, hey, whether it be Atlanta, Sacramento, or New York, it should get easier for him. But even if we're talking about against Click Capella, I mean, it's not a situation from a rebound battle that he's going to win. He's not going to be able to do anything from you from a scoring perspective. Um, so I, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm at a loss right now for Jackson because I want him to produce, but I don't know how he can right now in this in this circumstance. They're not having him, you know, they're, they're not running a bunch of five out, allowing him to shoot threes. Um, and, and if teams are playing for the lob consistently, you know, I, I mean, outside of that stretch that Fish mentioned at the end of that first quarter in game one where, where he did play pretty well, I mean, we haven't seen him put consistent stretches together. And, I, you know, I just it, it leaves me, you know, at a loss for how he's going to, you know, improve that. But hopefully once a guy, once a guy like Zion returns, you know, I, you know I, maybe those parents will be able to help him a little bit more. But right now I just haven't seen much. Here's the most disappointing part for me is that it's the very simple thing that he can do, the thing that he came into the league with, and it doesn't have to be lobs. And this is the part that he doesn't get is it doesn't have to be lobs. In transition, he, there's no way any center, because Joel Embiid is not going to beat him uh, down the floor. I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. Uh, Vucevic is not going to beat him down the floor when you're running full speed. Neither is Carl Anthony Towns. If, if he runs full speed end-to-end, then he should be able to at least flash quickly, sometimes seal in front of the rim and either get a quick layup or a dunk at least two or three times a game Mm -hmm. just from his ability to run the floor and he can help him out himself out this is something that fish and i have have just been imploring this man to do hold the screen he goes to the dive immediately before it even Mm -hmm. gets you make skin to skin contact he starts diving and it's like hold that screen for just you have to just give you're not helping the ball handler either. You know, like that. He's he had a couple. He, he's had a couple um, moving screen violations that they've yeah. called. Yeah. They're, yeah. I, they're, they're calling that different as well. I feel but like he's not a good screener. He's, he's no. not. And, but the thing is, is that one, he needs to get set earlier. And two, yep. he needs to hold that, mm-hmm. you know, literally for just a half a beat longer. Yeah. He's in such a rush to get to the dive. And honestly, that throws off the timing of it because he gets, I mean, he's so fast. Like, he doesn't have to leave that early. Like, he can use his athleticism to hold the screen that extra beat longer than your typical big man would before he dives. And instead, just just the pacing of it is all off. So, yeah. No, he's I don't recover. Either way, they got to figure out, they got to figure out a way to get him going. I do think that, that you know, he can be an important part of this team. They got to figure to out. Be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what lineups are going to work for him? How can you get his confidence back? You know, you know, his confidence going. What can you do to best put him in a in a situation to succeed? And it, it can't just be when Zion returns. You got to figure it out now. So, you know, um, I I don't know what it's gonna be. I'd like to see him a little bit of power forward. I mean, but they they're gonna have to figure out something. But hopefully, these matchups upcoming. You know, if if he gets a chance to go against backup backup big men and you know i don't think atlanta has a true center off the bench off the top of my head gorgie dang but i wouldn't consider him a center more of a more of a power forward mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i i think i i really hope in these next few games he can get his confidence going 
And, you know, like we saw last year, once he started to get it going mentally, the energy consistently, you know, was there. And, you know, the motor started to be there. And he, he started to turn around and have some, you know, have some pretty good games. Maybe a lot of it is confidence right now. I don't know, but we need to see something turn around. Okay, do you think, and this is something that has been debated, and we talked about this before the season started, the balance of moving Nikhil to the second unit. And I think we saw in the last game in particular, there was a shot that Trey Murphy took that was about a good five feet behind the arc, and it swished. I thought it was an air ball at first because the net didn't move. Oh, it was, it was so good. <laughs> okay. I thought it was an air ball. I swear. I, I was like, did he air that? And it was like, no, it went in. And it was, just, oh, okay. Wow. Um, I think Trey would certainly benefit from getting easy, free opportunities while Brandon is creating, while Jonas is creating. And I certainly think the second unit, and if we're talking about Jackson, a guy that Jackson has a good rapport with in the heel. I think they can work together that screen and roll a little bit better if Nikhil is given some more of that second unit stuff. Because what we've seen, too, to me in the last two games is Nikhil getting a little bit more fatigued from having to deal with those starters minutes. You know, there's still some growth for him to go. And his shooting the last two games was much different than it was his first two. And we saw that in the preseason as well. His shooting from the, in the first couple of games preseason, great. His last two, it fell off. And I think it's the, that's why I think that bench roll is better because it allows you to find the pace of that game for him. Whereas if he's starting, sometimes if he doesn't have it, yeah, you want him to keep shooting. But the problem is he's if he's just missing, um, I think that's you want to give him some more of those advantageous matchups with the second unit. Um, uh, Chris, I'll let you uh, take the first one on this. I, I mean, look, I, I think that, even whether you start in the kill or not, I think the you know it's more so to me like how you use them. When do you sub them out? And what do you when do you sub them back in? Are you subbing them out early in the first quarter, bringing them back to start the second? You know, um, but I you know I do I do agree with that. I think I think last game was uh, you know the first game to me pretty much from start to finish that it was clear that the points of emphasis offensively were were going to be running running your offense with Brandon uh, Valanciunas. And the kill those three, those three guys. One of those three guys was going to be the one controlling the pace. Devontae Graham made a lot of he he made a lot of plays. I mean, he he, Ooh, you know, that he saved possessions. Guy. Yeah. Um. I you know I you know so I think to me what's important with Nikhil is going to be like for example if Devontae is showing that level of aggressiveness if we're talking from a penetration standpoint and he's mm-hmm. shooting floaters and runners and he and, and he's attempting layups. It's going to open up things for, you know, for guys like Nikhil. And, you know, I think that that will help with the fatigue standpoint. Whether he comes off the bench or not, what he's going to have to, going to have to play with the minutes regardless. And it looks like, he, you know, he mentioned that he's probably going to play with the uh, – he's going to watch how he practices JV and BI. That's the, that sounds like to me that we should get used to, you know, Valanciun is playing over 35, 36 minutes coming. Um, I think, you know, for Nikhil – he made some – you know what, Grub, I really – you know, I do agree with you. I think that especially in the first half, you see a lot of really good plays, and then things get a little bit inconsistent towards the second half when, you know, he maybe starts to get a little bit tired, whatever whatever the case may be. But I think the guys around him can help with that a little bit, get him, get him some more spot-up jumpers, he'll make a few, he'll miss a few. But the key in all of this for me, from what I saw yesterday, is going to be important for this team, 
um, if they're running the offense the way that they work through their, you know, through their best players, as they should, if Devontae Graham is being that next guy that's stepping up, penetrating and, and opening things for others, it can open up everything or a lot more for them offensively, especially in a half court. Fish, let me go off of what Chris said. The emergence of Devontae Graham playing a bigger role than I think any of us would have anticipated to start the season and diversifying his offense more than I think anybody would have thought the season. Does that change, you know, the necessity of having Nikhil with the starting lineup? I mean, I've I've been a strong proponent um, pretty much since we saw the team in at the, at the very beginning of preseason that Nikhil will be best used off the bench as your sixth man. Um, and what we've seen from Devonte, if anything has just strengthened my opinion on that. Devonte has shown a great deal of, you know, pick and roll understanding between him and with Brandon Ingram, because I mean, if you looked at, especially what the Pelicans did down the stretch, in the fourth game, um, they ran a lot of screen the screener, pick and roll stuff at the top with Jonas and Brandon Ingram at the at the elbows, running horns with those two guys screening for one another. Um, and Devonte was the guy with the ball in his hands. So it, I, I I have it only makes my opinion more strong from what we've seen from these four games that Nikhil and the Pelicans would be best served with bringing Nikhil off the bench. So he has fresh legs against reserves. And so that the, the reserve unit has somebody that can bring up the ball um, since apparently you can't, I mean, the thing is, is that as soon as you put that on tape, like as soon as Kyra's mm-hmm. put that on tape, that you can press me and it's going to break everything down. We're not going to get into our sets quick. Yep. Our big men don't, which doesn't make sense. Like Jackson Hayes is the big man out there. He's one of the fastest big men, you know, in the NBA. You you have the time. Go up there and make it make his job easier. Just stand there so the defender has to go around you, yep. and then he can bring up the ball. We can get into the set and then sprint back down because you're super lanky and fast. And if you're only going to play 12 to 16 minutes a game, why not make it worth it? But digressing off of that, I think two things. One, the Pelicans will be better served Nikhil off the bench because they need the guy with offensive pop and they don't have that. And how they are kind of trying to fudge it is they're playing long minutes for Jonas and they're playing long minutes for Brandon Ingram. We saw Mm -hmm. both of those guys out there at the beginning of the second quarter. Jonas has been playing long stretches to begin the first and the third quarters as well which is how you get to the point where he played, you know, 39 minutes. Um, I think if you get Nikhil as, you know, your first guy off the bench, that can, that can speed things along and be better for, you know, those starters. And second, because my idea is if you bring Nikhil off the bench, who you're going to start in his place. I want to start Trey Murphy in that slot because I think he's going to be, he's going to be somebody who really pressures the defense and make Jonas's life easier on the block. Yep. If he's out there on the floor and two, he's going to get easier shots than he's getting with the bench unit because the bench unit isn't creating a lot of high quality shots for Trey Murphy. And I think if you put him out there with those starters, he's going to get more high, high quality looks and that's only going to build his confidence. And it seems ridiculous to say the Pelicans should be starting two rookies right now, but especially from what we've seen from Herb Jones on the defensive end and 
you know, on the offensive end in every single respect other than putting the ball in the basket. Um, yeah, start those two rookies and then, you know, you can bring Nikhil off, off the bench, you know, as your energizer bunny offense, hopefully, you know, Josh Hart's going to be available and you can have him, he'll bring some, some energy as well. And you get kind of the gang back together with Kyra and Nikhil and Josh Hart and Jackson Hayes coming off the bench, you know, to really pressure the rim and bring up the pace and you can, you can change how this bench unit is going right now, because right now it's just, it's a slog and it's, it it has to change. It can't have that many young guys on the bench and them not be energetic. Ollie for you. I just want to jump in real quick because it goes perfectly with what fish just said. I love it in theory. I really do, but you cannot overlook, especially I think if you're the coaching staff, but what the starting unit uh, lineup is doing, right? Valentinus, Ingram, Graham, uh, Naw, and Herb Jones. They're demolishing people. Like, the offense has been kind them of the whole time, Ollie. What? Like, yeah, that's fine. But the Pelicans have had. We've seen that story before too, where the Pelicans had the best starting lineup in the NBA, and then everything fell to shit. You, you, if everything is stacked for your starters, maybe sometimes you do have to move it around a little bit to. You know, it's not about not who with starts. a rookie. No, see, I disagree. It's not about who starts. Ex- it's about. Okay. Go ahead, Ollie. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's too much experimentation. They have actually stumbled on something that's working. I think you stay with it until Josh Hart at least comes back. And if Zion comes back, that completely changes things. Then I'm okay, 100%. So if, so if Hart comes back, let's just think about that then. If Hart comes back and you put Hart at the two and you move Nikhil to the to the, to the the six-man role, mm-hmm. are you okay with that? Yeah, well, that's what Willie Green tried to do, right, in that very first game. I don't know That's, because it didn't look good in the first game, but nothing did really. So I have no idea. And I, I think it depends on the I'm not a fan of Josh. Like, that's my thing is, like, I don't want to see more Josh. Because, like, he's the same <laughs> no, guy he was last the, year. Right, Grub. But here's my thing. I think Valanciunas, Ingram, and Graham have now kind of found comfort zones. If you got three guys that offensively right. feel confident, I think you can get away with Hart being as kind of the fourth guy. That's just my I gut instinct. Ra- I just think I would rather it be Trey because I know – that Trey is smart enough to move without the ball. I know he can shoot it. And when I look at that lineup, the thing that I've got is I like the balance of that lineup. I have a guard in Graham that I know will drive to the basket. He's getting more free throws than anybody else on the team right now. So on a consistent night-to-night basis, he's always at the line, at least three to four free throws every night. And that on this team, that's a lot. So I know he's doing that. I know Ingram is able now, is showing off that he's not willing to settle as much for the three. Brandon's shooting like, what, three threes a game? Not a, not a ton. He's, t- he's, doing his, he's doing his scoring in the way he did his, his first year in New Orleans. Valanchunas, we've seen, he still hasn't even reached his uh, 50% from the floor yet. He hasn't had his best shooting Right, yet. it was that three for 19 game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. he's, I mean, and he's had a couple of games under 500 shooting, just but he's doing all the little stuff. So I think if you have a rhythm shooter, and Herb Jones is your ex-guy to just go, Herb, eat the glass, eat the glass, defend full court, do all those things. That's a team. I hear you, you know David. What but like, look, when I look at it, that's a team. That's a Yeah, unit. but plus 17.8 net rating. They have been trending I hit it. like crazy. But you got – I hit it. But what I'm saying is if not, if not, if if you don't experiment now, it's I don't not see good. why you experiment, though. I, I don't – Hart's going to be back any day. He'll probably be back back for next game. I don't think Hart makes them better. Him coming back doesn't make them better. That's just my thing. Is Josh Hart that much of a factor that he would have been the difference in winning some of these games? I don't believe so. If he was playing Garrett Temple's minutes. 
Maybe. I'm, I'm about to say, he'll take the Gary Temple minutes you want away. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Because <laughs> it's not like, I, I mean, mean it, I mean, but look though. Does it? Does it? You know, to me, are we focusing on the wrong thing here? I mean, whether whether Nikhil starts or not, you know, if you if you manage the minutes right, you can still get some of the lineups and some of the some of the looks that you want at the end of the day, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, even if he plays, like, you know, well, my thing might... is this. Mm-hmm. I, I think the only the, the biggest difference for me is that with that with if you put in Herb and Trey, is I and, and I think like I agree with Fish on this is that. You come out immediately with a team that that you can, you have two guys who can help you put apply that pressure, defensively on ball that you're yeah. really happy with, and you're not forcing Nikhil into that position because you need his offense. I yeah, want him to defend, and he's going to fight. We know Nikhil is going to fight through screens. He's going to run around. Yeah. But it, with this, with the bench being as thin as it is right now, I would love him to exert more of his energy against second unit players than first unit players. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. And listen, I'm not saying you're wrong. And I will, uh, I will, I will leave uh, with this in regards to Trey. Would and I do agree with you guys on this. Whatever lineup is going to allow him offensively to do nothing but take consistent open threes is what I would like. And mm-hmm. that probably presents itself with the starting lineup. I'm not saying that's the road that they should go. But when when he was hiding the preseason, when we've seen him be able be able to make shots, uh, you know, in these games, it's been him being able to take no dribbles, limited dribbles, and fire, and that might only be able to happen with the starting lineup right now. But you know, I, I mean, because they go find him, they can go about it in the second unit. They go find him because they know he's the only shooter on the floor. Yep, and they go they take him away. And you can't you can't do that when he's he's sharing the floor with Brandon Ingram and Jonas and Devontae. You can't you can't def- I mean you can't just tell the whoever's guarding Herb Jones, make sure that you're also trying to look out for Trey Trey, because they're gonna be on opposite ends of the floor. They're gonna be on opposite sides of the floor all the time. That's not that's not where the help's gonna be able to come from. So yep. no. It you'd have to leave I, off I mean, with Jonas most likely. To and to, you don't to want to, to do that because especially with the lineup, the, the matchups coming up. I mean, we saw J- Jonas went straight through Cat's chest multiple times. Like mm-hmm. the, the the centers on on the menu for him coming up, he, he's going to eat. All right, let's go to the next three games um, and talk about those. We have Atlanta Wait, on quick, Dave, oh, yeah, real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think we should give Herb Jones some. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Stuff. Yes, yeah. we gotta give. Yeah, we should just the, the Herb Jones love fest. We have to do that, Ali. I'll let you start it. Well, what is there to say? I mean, this guy—that that was the main reason why I found hope was in that first game against Minnesota on Saturday. He literally changed the, you know, pace, um, everything with how Minnesota was just easily scoring in that first half. How the Pelicans were struggling to get any continuity to do anything right on the court. And then all of a sudden they started punching back and it was through their defense. And Herb Jones was the guy leading the way. Um, This kid can guard anybody one through five. That's something that Willie Green's talked about, but we actually see it because you watch him. He's going to guard their best player, whether it was, you know, over the weekend, Anthony Edwards, we saw him on DeAndre Russell blocked his shot. Um, and, And when there's help, when he needs help, he does a better, the best job I've ever seen a rookie do in terms of rotating properly. Arms stretched out, legs out, 
and he he's gotten at least a couple steals that I can recall uh, in the first in these last couple of games, despite doing that, being in the right position. So he's been an absolute revelation. But I think everybody was most excited about was the fact that he went up against Carl Anthony Towns, who's what one of the top three offensive centers, right? Got footwork galore, can score from anywhere. And he stood him up at the free throw line and forced him to take one of the most awkward shots you ever see Cat take, right? So mm-hmm. Herb defensively is a gem. He, he's what? He's Matisse Thibault almost to me right now. He's not coming up with the steals, right? You want to see maybe forcing those turnovers to really get you an advantage uh, for your team. But he's doing everything else right. And that hustle is infectious. I'm loving how he's crashing the boards. But, boy, offensively, once the game slows down for him, I mean, he had two really crazy turnovers in yesterday's game, right? Stepped on the uh, half-court line when uh, he was just trying to dribble around his man. And, of course, starting the fast break after getting a deflection. That wasn't yeah. a where He did bobble it, right? Yeah, it wasn't bobble, a straight Yeah, when he, caught the, he tried to run with the ball. Yeah, but still, he should have, you know, corralled it, you know, do the smart thing. Get possession, then go. But, yeah, how can you not be in love with this guy? I'll tell you what. Willie Green's going to have a decision to make when um, not only Zion comes back, is exactly how are you going to stagger his minutes? And I think Jackson Hayes might be in danger when you really don't need, uh, when the matchups don't favor him, right? Yeah, Going small, small maybe playing Herb as some five is something you do once, like I said, you've got all your guys back. But either way, Herb Jones, boy, he deserves 30 minutes a game. And he is by far and away, the numbers don't lie, the most been the most positive, impactful player for the Pelicans through the four games. I'll take my credit before I hand it off and say I was the first one amongst the four of us to have called for Herb Jones to start at the beginning. Yes, before the season that was a great call. And I will say this as well, and then um, I'm going to give it over to, to Fish. Um, people are comparing Herb to Tony Allen. I think the comparison is Draymond Green because he is able to guard the five effectively, and he's longer and tall. Tony was a 6'4 guy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Herb is longer and will get bigger um, as his body matures. Uh, I, I think he can be a Draymond Green type defender and be the guy who defends you at three, four, five on a regular basis and occasionally some one and two. And and the thing with the, that we do know is Herb is a better athlete than Draymond. I don't know. And his mind is certainly good. Like, that's the thing is, is we've all been impressed with how fast his mind is. And that was the thing about Draymond. That's why Draymond was a second round pick, too. Not a, you know what I mean? Like there was the it was more of an intangible thing than a tangible. And Draymond mm-hmm. still can't shoot free throws, and he's a terrible three point shooter. Hopefully, Herb does not have that future ahead of him as far as the shooting goes. But I see a lot of that: the willingness to play make, the willingness to change position, the willingness to communicate. That's my comp for Herb Jones. Fish. Well, speaking of um, Draymond Green, um, Herb Jones is tied with Draymond Green right now in the NBA in ninth um, for deflections. He has 13 deflections so far. Um, Far fewer minutes too. Yes. In, you know, 37 fewer minutes. Um, He's also um, one of the Pelicans who's contesting the most three point shots. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, Ali mentioned, you know, he, he got the assignment. He's a rookie, a second round pick rookie. And Willie green said, all right, you didn't play like any meaningful minutes the first night you're starting the second night and your matchup is Zach Levine. Go get him. And he, he stepped up to the challenge. And then for the past, Mm -hmm. you know, the the past two games, his matchup was Anthony Edwards. 
if you look at any stretch where Anthony Edwards kind of goes off, it's usually at the end of the quarter and Herb Jones isn't on the floor. And it makes sense as to why that happened. But Herb had Herb had had some sequences where he would stymie a drive and then the pass goes over to Cat. And he gets right in Cat's chest. And his hands are up and he's not fouling. Um, and he's contesting the shot. And that's one of the things that jumps out to me with him is the fact that while he gets all of these deflections and stuff like that, he isn't too handsy. He's not Mm -hmm. reaching and getting those rook calls that a lot of rookies get because they're just, you know, trying to swing at the ball all the time. Mm -hmm. He's content to contest the shot, put his hand up. I mean, I I feel like Herb Jones probably leaves the floor less as a defender than I've seen Jonas. Like Jonas is jumping at all kinds of three-point yeah. shots. I'm like, you're not blocking that. You're not blocking Embiid from three. All you're doing is taking yourself out of the play. If, if there was one thing that I would want to fix about Jonas, it's like, stop jumping at three-point shots, man. Just take a half step out with your with your hand up. And if he's, if he's going to shoot it, he's going to shoot it. You weren't going to block it anyways. Um, but Herb doesn't do that. But he gets all the way up into the space. And he gets his hands up. And then he's quick enough on his feet that you can't just go around him. Um, he... He's probably the best defender on the team right now. Mm-hmm. Chris, he, he's full stop. He's the best defender on the yeah, team. I he's agree. Round pick. Chris, I, I, well, you know, one, one of the things that that's just very interesting that I, you know, I forget, and I, you know, I kind of, you know, when we everything that I've heard about about Herb so far in this in this conversation, we're talking about his smarts, his instincts, his discipline, um, you know, his his attention to detail. And, you know, how he just doesn't, he's not making rookie mistakes. Well, I mean, in NBA years for, for a rookie, Herb Jones is like 39 years old. Like, I mean, 23-year-old 23, 23 rookies, you know, they don't, they, you know, you don't see him every day, right? Um, and, but, but you can tell that, you know, he's like a mature dude. And it doesn't just show by, you know, his, his mannerisms. I mean, but it shows by the way he plays the game. He knows what he's doing, a hundred percent. For a guy that you know that was a second round pick, he had to be. He had to be a second round pick when you were that old coming coming into the league. But with that body, with that, with those, with those instincts, that length. I mean, you know, I mean, to me, you know, you would have. I, I would. I wouldn't have been surprised if he was the one that you know that came from Virginia because I, I mean, he's he's a guy that. Um, just is as fundamentally sound of a rookie defensively as you're going to find. I mean, he's not going for face and everything, everything fits there, but that car Anthony Towns sequence is just, it's, um, it's unbelievable because, you know, he, he has to switch on, on cat. Like he's, uh, if I remember the play correctly, he's, uh, a, you know, he's caught up in a screen because he's on, you know, he's on and he switches on the cat mm-hmm. and then plays phenomenal, you know, one-on-one defense. I mean, um, you know, he didn't, and this is after Cat tries to lower down a shoulder, you know, he tried to lower his arm, Herb is straight up with it, and, you know, like, the man isn't, he doesn't, he doesn't even have his full NBA body yet, so he's only going to get better. I mean, he's a guy that had two points combined in the past two games, and everybody loved him. Like, those guys don't grow on trees. Um, you know, eventually, you know, we'll see what that jumper is about. Teams are going to give him 
you know, the old Kendrick Williams treatment where they just say, we are going to leave him and we're going to force him to beat us. And if that means that we have, you know, that we're guarding closer to the baseline, a double on Jonas, or stop someone from driving, we'll do it and we'll live with her and Jones. And we'll see how he ends up reacting and if that plays a, you know, a role in what they have to do with the starting lineup. But, I mean, the tools and the confidence, you know, are there. He's also, you know, a really good passer, you know, offensively. He's a guy who will show you some type of driving ability. You know, he just has to – I mean, we saw back in summer league, the finishing isn't, isn't 100% there. Sometimes it's like, bro, just dunk it. You're right there. Why are you, why are you trying to lay it up? But, I, I, I mean, for a second-round pick, I was really trying to, trying to hold myself in regards to the height and everything, you know, that's around him. Because I've been here so many times with these, with these low-leverage players, you know, uh, as a Pelicans fan. But Herb, Herb is sitting the deal. And for you at that, at, at that early in your career to be put on Zach Levine, yo, bro, go guard him. He's one of the best one-on-one guys in the, in the NBA. I believe in you. That says a lot about Willie, and, that, and, and it's just, that's so big for Ricky to be able to be put in that position, and it's no waiver in it. Like, yo, he, we're confident he's going to be able to do it. And Ant, and Ant Edwards, listen, he had, he had Ant in Alabama jail for a good majority of that game. Like, but the third quarter, like, like Fitch mentioned, uh, Ant got off on a lot of hurt minutes, and he got, a, and he got off on a lot of transition buckets as well, exactly. turnovers, long misses. That's when Anthony Edwards got to go. But in the half court, he was in hell when Herb was in the game. Herb goes over screens. Herb doesn't foul. And that's just, like, you know, it's unbelievable. Like, me saying, or you saying, Fish, that he's the best defender on the team, to me it's not even an insult to a lot of the other guys on the squad, really. It just shows how good this kid mm-hmm. is already. And he's not even a kid. I mean, I'm sorry, he's 23. He's not, I'm, damn, I'm not even that much older than him, guys. I just want to point that out. Um, so yeah, that's it. Hey, one thing I wanted to say real quick, because I saw it again today in practice, this kid's a workaholic. I walked in the gym, they had a light practice. A lot of the starters didn't even go because of their heavy workloads. They just watched film like BI and Valanciunas. Herb Jones sweating to death, completely drenched Jersey. And then somebody whispered in my ear, he's been doing this for an hour and 15 minutes. He and Fred Vincent get after it every single day. And I hear he's in there. First thing in the morning, he is working on that jumper. So if there's a chance in hell that Fred Vinson can help him improve that stroke, I know that Herb's going to put in the work because we've seen it since media day. So I've got big hopes that he's going to at least develop something, whether it's getting, you know, having the confidence to shoot free throws, right, get to the line, maybe a mid-range jumper because he works on those a lot, but also the three ball. And I'll tell you what, it looks a lot better than it did on media day. So I'm excited as hell. This kid is a worker, and, and he's so stand-up, too. When, when we give him interviews, there's you, you can tell, right? I guess this goes to Chris's point, who's a rookie and who's not. He definitely doesn't talk like one, but he also avoids, you know, praise. I try to ask him about what did it feel like today, you know, uh, going up against Cat on that play, and he just simply sidestepped, you know, that little trap real quick and just mentioned, you know, whoever I have to guard, I'm just going to do my best. I'm confident in my abilities, whether it's, you know, guarding a point guard up to a center. So I, I love everything about this kid. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any, like he hasn't just, he just brings what they need. He brings edge and he brings toughness and confidence. And there are not a ton of guys on his team who have all those in the same person. And um, so I'm a big Herb Jones guy. Yeah. We got to give was- a shout out to the Pels front office, right? They nailed Trey Murphy and Herb Jones by far. Can you think of two other picks uh, from the same year? Where you can honestly Pelicans? see, 
Yeah, and I'm not talking about an Anthony Davis plus somebody or Zion plus somebody. To, to nail a couple guys later, I can't recall in franchise history ever happened before. No, not late. Go back to your Charlotte days. Yeah, go back there to Charlotte. It damn sure ain't happened here. No, draft has not been a kind thing for the Pelicans slash Hornets um, over 20 years. No, draft days. You either get everything or you get nothing. And so <laughs> that's how the draft like is Yes. Um, well, let's get to this week, the quick the quick um, projection for this week. Three home games. You get Atlanta on Wednesday. Uh, then you get Sacramento, which suddenly, I don't know what Harrison Barnes is drinking Ooh. or doing. But dude is averaging thirty and ten, and uh, what the for? Okay, and then and then of course, I'm just sorry, that's just freaking me out. And 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 then they end the week uh, with the New York Knicks, um, who have gotten off to a great start this season as well. These are these are not easy games. Uh, Ali, first, your thought of this three game set? You know, after seeing the way they played for the last six quarters. I wouldn't be surprised if they go two and one. I think likely one and two, right? They'll get probably the win over the Kings. It's hard to see the Knicks just because I think they're playing well right out of the bat. I mean, who'd they squash tonight? I didn't get a chance to watch a game, but I saw Philly. the score and pass. Oh, yeah, Philly. Well, Philly. score final score ended up being closer than what that game was because I saw a few minutes of it. And then uh, Atlanta, you know, I don't like that matchup. I, I really don't. I just feel like they play more under control. Nate McMillan's there. He's had that group now for a lot longer than Willie's had these guys. But if they have a cold shooting night, you know, I, I could see the Pelicans possibly, you know, pulling off the upset. So I'm going to say, since since I've been right now, I'm, on, I'm kind of on a streak. I'm going to say two and one. You're not on a streak. A streak requires two. <laughs> you got one. I knew right. you would say something. <laughs> it's not a streak. All right, but I always oh. call it two and one. All, All right, right, Chris. <laughs> um, man, I mean, you know, now you mentioned Harrison Barnes, it almost it kind of feels like that's who her is going to be guarding, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I'm kind of feeling two and one ish, but I mean, look, what I'm gonna be interested in tomorrow or in Wednesday's game is you know, it's, it's the NBA, they're the officials are letting the game be a little bit more physical than what we've been used to for a while now. And I'm curious for a team that, you know, like Atlanta, as deep as they are, um, you know, they're, they're a team, Trey Young and company, Bogdanovich coming off screen. You know, they, they had a really good year last year you know, from, from my memory and getting to the free throw line, manipulating, uh, manipulating officials to, you know, to get, to get extra, extra money, if you will. I'm curious that if, if New Orleans is able to stay to stay physical, if they're able to get them early, maybe maybe out of uh, out of their mojo of sorts. I don't know if DeAndre Hunter. I think DeAndre Hunter missed the last game. Um, if he doesn't play, that could be huge because that's probably who's going to guard Brandon Ingram. There's a lot of things I would say that 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 plays there. I think Val has a has a pretty good matchup against Capella. You know, what I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans is able to keep that keep that game close. The the Sacramento game, man. I mean, De'Aaron Fox always always kicked our ass, so I, I I don't know what to what to think or what not to think about about that game. But if if you if you're saying where the win is going to happen, I mean, I'd say it have it have to be there the way that they're playing. Um, you know, and then you have the Knicks that will probably be you know a slow you know 
a slow tempo game. Um, you know, who guards Julius Randle? Is Hurt is Hurt guarding Julius Randle? Probably, probably, right? You know, um, I think the Knicks are a little bit deeper than they than they were. You know, from my perspective last year. Um, I mean, but look, you know, I, you have three straight games at home. I, I think that it would be very important for them to end the month and find a way to go to win. I, I think it's possible. If I had to choose which games are more likely, I'd probably say the Kings and even and even the Knicks. The Hawks just have so many guys that can just, you know, they can beat you that stars and come off the bench. So I mean, I, you know, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be positive and I'm gonna roll with two and one and say they beat the Knicks and Kings back to back. That's my guy. Fish. I'm it's kind of the same situation where like the heart says two and one and the head says one and two. Um I, I think we're gonna get three very competitive games. Um and I'm hoping for two and one. And I'll be super optimistic and like reaching for that three and zero because one of wow. the things that one of the things that Chris mentioned <laughs> is the Hawks. <laughs> the Hawks right now this season are twenty eighth in the league in free throw rate, twenty eighth. So um, and none of these teams that are coming into the Pelicans arena are tremendous um, defensive rebounding teams, and the Pelicans already are third um, in the in offensive rebounding rate and which of these centers is going to keep Jonas off the glass? And, and, you know, if he creates enough, you know, good possessions that if the Pelicans continue to mesh around that, you know, horns and just, just play through your, your three best players in terms of Devonte and, and Brandon Ingram and Jonas at the top of the key. And then Jonas mashing people down low um, three, and zero, I think is out of reach, but I, I'm, Two and one, that they can get two and one. They'll get the Kings game, and then they'll probably get the Hawks game. I would think because the Knicks game, the Pelicans are on a back to back, and the Knicks are rested. I am going to, you know, I'm going to say one and two. Y'all know that I'm going to say one and two. And the reason I say that is this: I have seen too many games with the Pelicans and the Kings to know what the hell is going to happen there. And like you said, De'Aaron Fox goes off. But Harrison Barnes goes off on normal years, and he's going. He's having not on her. And the Kings also have like six guys in double figures right now. Um, they've been really balanced, so I never know with them. So it, it, that's what makes it odd. I, I I think that they don't. The Knicks are just. It, it's just. It's a physical thing. Uh, they have more depth, more bodies, more guys who would just be able to to wear on the Pelicans. I think, and they make it, they make, they ugly the game up um, enough. Atlanta's the one that, I, that I, I, I'm with you guys on and feeling that, that that's a game that's stealable because Atlanta, um, I think, you know, that's where you get a chance to maybe force them to shoot too many jumpers. And if they can do that, if they can do that, I think that Atlanta, you, you come back, you come off the momentum of this Minnesota game, you're feeling good, guys come onto the floor. Um, they, they, they know how they felt the last time they left um, from home. They weren't happy. And I think you get their best game is, is the one against Atlanta. Um, and then I think it's going to be crazy against Sacramento for some reason. And then I think the Knicks get them. And it's a, it, it's a comfortable win, but not a bad loss for the Knicks. You know, you know what I mean? For the Pelicans, it won't be a bad loss. But I, I don't think that they're ready to beat the Knicks yet. So that's, I, I'm, not, I'm not totally pessimistic about the week. I just think it's it's the Pelicans and it's things happen. 
And I, until I've proven otherwise, I'm going to err on the side of shit happening. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> now I hear you. I, I, one thing I want to point out is with Atlanta, the only thing that worries me is they're a great rebounding team. And I feel like the Pels, you know, because the markmanship's just not going to be there. They're relying on these uh, offensive rebounds. That's really helped them last yeah. couple of games, right? Because they've not shot the ball particularly. And remember, the thing, too, is Pelicans still did turn it over 20 times against Minnesota. Yep. And 50 times in two games. And in the losses, they've turned it over over 20 times. So certainly there's been no more important stat for the Pelicans <laughs> than their turnovers because that's where they've been getting their asses kicked in transition in all these games and in points off turnovers. So they can't turn the ball over against Atlanta because you know Atlanta can run. John Collins is going to run the floor. They're going to, you know, all those guys are going to run the floor. The same there with Sacramento. If you give Sacramento opportunities, and that's what the Pelicans' problem has been against in the last few years, is that they just give up too many free runs to the basket for them. I just think the Knicks, the Knicks game, even on the second second leg of a back-to-back, I mean, you know, I look at – um you know, for example, the game that, that the Knicks played against Orlando, I, I mean, uh, a few days ago, they just they had a game in which they couldn't get anything to fall. And it wasn't like Orlando was, you know, was shooting was shooting lights out either. I mean, one team shot 41 percent, the other team shot shot 37. You know, it would probably be another another low scoring battle. I give them an opportunity in that game as long as they're able to maintain um, or as long as the Knicks don't come out, don't come out scorching. Um, and the Pelicans take care of the basketball. We'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see what that looks like, especially on the end of a of a back to back. But I, you know, I I just think you know when I look at the Knicks, there's you know there's a little bit of you know will R.J. Barrett be on that night? Will he be off? You know, um, you know Evan Fournier. Uh, I mean, the key in that matchup is you know will Julius Randle be able to control it? If they have any type of momentum coming out of that Sacramento game, you know I. I think those guys, you know, might have it in them to, you know, to steal that game against New York as well. I, the one thing I think we all would be say it would be safe in saying is that, that I don't see a way they don't that they go over. I don't see a way they go over. No, they'll get one. It's a matter of which one. Yeah. No, uh, that would take that would take for all of a sudden the team to stop caring, right? Bi to stop doing what he's been doing on both ends. All those guys, right? And you just don't see it happening. So no, or you just right. or you get a shitload of turnovers. You know, I mean, like, hell, they almost won a game with 30 turnovers. That blows my mind, dude. Yeah, but also, Carl Anthony Towns did fall out. You know, what I'm like, like, we have to, we have to acknowledge that this it's the NBA and things are weird. And we look at something sometimes. I think we get to say, well, if they didn't turn it over 30 times, they would have won the game. It's not but just they that, did. They, they, David. The they bench did. killed him. They got killed in the paint. They got killed what off a of turnover. But they've been getting killed points. in the paint the first three games of the season. So it wasn't yeah. like that was new. Wait. Yeah. So let me let me let me ask you guys something. The Sacramento game, right? If grow, if you feel that they have a chance at stealing at stealing the the Atlanta game, you look at the Sacramento game, and Rashard Holmes is going to be Jonas Valanciunas's matchup. I, I I mean, look, I mean that's a that's a clear win in regards to how New Orleans. All I'm telling you, I didn't, what did I say though? You you asked it like I said something logic. I said I, I see enough I, shit happen <laughs> in Pelicans versus Kings. But not let's to, look at <laughs> but let's like, let's take that. Let's try to take that out of the equation and then look at and look at the floor. When you look at that matchup, I know De'Aaron Fox might score sixty four points, but Jonas might score. You know, Jonas might score thirty nine against Rashard Holmes. 
and they're bringing Tristan Thompson off the bench. They don't have a true center either. But they're not really not playing any. Tristan that much. And, and Rashawn's no. having a, a fantastic start to the season. He's after what fifteen and ten right now. I'm just talking about what he's what he's going to be doing in regards to guarding Jokic. That's what I I'm and when we're but, talking about their productivity on the boards as well, offensively. I mean, if they control the boards and Jonas is able to take care of his matchups. Well, all these things are ifs. Yeah, if everything <laughs> goes well, they go 3-0. and I mean, they all ifs. <laughs> they all ifs. I mean, Joe, you could also say on the other side, you'd be like, well, Jonas might get fatigued because he's not used to playing 30 minutes so much all the time. And if he, go, <laughs> if he has to play 35 against Atlanta and then play 39 against Sacramento, who knows? Or Jonas could get a technical foul. And get, or against somebody and get into a scrap with somebody. Who knows? Like if you were, if we could, I mean, you know what I mean. I'm just saying. I got you. They, when they play Sacramento, shit goes left a lot. Yeah, I know. That's my. I just thing. hope it's these just, high minutes don't come back to hurt to hurt you on the later later in the year, man. I yeah, hope. I don't want a boogie thing stretch, where you know? it wears body down and you know you all of a sudden it's just or a favor. You know, guys who are just used to playing 28. I mean, we saw it with Adams. Adams is a guy who did not go over 30 minutes and then he started doing it a couple nights. And then we saw him break apart. We don't, if you're going to have Valentinus for these next three years and be a contributor, you still got to manage him well. That's the thing. Uh, guys, I think we covered it all. I think we've covered it all. Um, I'll give you one last chance to make any final statements. Chris, you got anything you want to say before we get out? Uh, I have nothing else to say about this team or Gary Temple. All right, we move on. <laughs> Fish. Fish. Fish muted himself. Yeah, he's muted. Okay. Nope, there he is. Fish. All right, we're letting Fish go. Ollie, any final thoughts? Um, you want me to tell everybody about how cool Brandon Ingram is? How I was telling you guys that before we got on, or no? No, you don't have to do that. Everybody loves Brandon. We're good. Yeah. He doesn't need you to be his campaign manager right now. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's just that will be. We fun. have stories about Brandon Ingram being a stand-up guy just to anybody he sees before, or after games, practices, and he did it again today. So, like, I think ultimately, this is we know again. This is a team that has talent. This is a team that has opportunities, and this team that has possibilities. But until we see Zion Williamson on the floor or we know that he's not going to be on the floor, whatever the, the thing is, it's just going to be this This part is ultimately a prelude. And we'll we find should out talk what about this- Zion real quick. Let me mention, David, I'm glad okay. you re- reminded me. Yeah, I saw him in practice today, guys. Walked in with Christian Clark of NOLA, and it was really just us two there besides the Pelicans people. And Zion's working. He, he was sweating. He was in shorts. I didn't see him in shorts at and all. He could, but he could get that, walk down the steps and sweat right now, huh? <laughs> Man, we're not going mean, there. All right, we're I'm not going mean, there. I'm sorry. Anyways, he's working on all sorts of footwork, sliding drills, stuff like that. So they're, they're picking up the intensity. But as we went on to ask Willie Green later, he's not doing full throttle yet. So I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound like his return is imminent. Or with these next set of scans, maybe they would activate him right away. It looks like it's it's a you know it's a step process in getting that conditioning up because they got to go slowly with uh, making sure no setbacks occur. So while it was good to see that, I'm I'm now more inclined because at first I was thinking he might come back sooner rather than later. Now I'm thinking we're not going to see him till maybe if we're lucky mid November, but I bet you'll be closer to Thanksgiving. Just as a guess, thinking. yeah. That's, that's my thought. It's Thanksgiving time. All right, well, guys. 
thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everybody who, uh, who, who listens and subscribes. Please make sure you rate us as well. Um, rate us, leave a review. And uh, we're going to keep coming at you with uh, more episodes throughout the season. Chris will join us sometimes. Sometimes he won't. But uh, each time. We'll give you everything that we've got on our Pelicans takes. And uh, thank you so much for making us um, as successful as we have been. Until the next time, for Ali Cosell, David Fisher, and Chris Connor, I am David Grubb. This has been The Bird Calls. Let's go, Pelicans. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today